stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hi, and welcome back to our very first episode of Raising Joy, Season 3. Yep, we're back. In 2024, Winnie. You can't get rid of us. I know. They tried. <laughs> they tried to unsubscribe, but like yeah. Apple just keeps like signing them right back Yeah, up. that plug. Well, they can't pull it. They can't pull the plug. It's just not happening. <laughs> can't quit us. <laughs> no, no. How has your new year been? You know what? It has been fabulous. That's and awesome. And I'm going to tell you why. And it's because I've embarked on the journey of dry January. So I had the whole month of dry January. So you need to understand that as someone who can go home and have two, three cocktails in the <laughs> evening. Yes, 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 yes. This was momentous. Okay. <laughs> and and not only that, not only that, but I had some motivation because I actually joined a gym near my house. Okay, and I said, join the gym. I, I I went to the gym and gave them money. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, um, you know, solicited and have now a trainer. And so I train with her two days a week. And she's an actual athlete. I mean, she's like in athletics. She's really like, she's a runner. She's like a sprinter or something. That's so cool. Yeah. and But I have to remind her that I'm an old lady and I'm not 24 <laughs> years old and you cannot train me that way. So you have to, you know, the left knee is still not, it's cranky and you have to be careful. But I did dry January because I don't want to go into the gym feeling yes. over different, you know, dehydrated like, yeah, and... not feeling good and you know, and this girl means business. I had a trainer before, but she didn't understand it. You know, because I can manipulate her. <laughs> but this one is like, yeah, no, get down. <laughs> uh -uh. No, she you, you can do it. I can see. I saw you do it. The knee is fine. <laughs> Just push through. You can do it. You can't. It's all in your head. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. But I, I'm really kind of enjoying this. Because awesome. the sleep, who knew and you always have the mistaken thought that, you know, if I just have a cocktail or something or a glass of wine at, at before bedtime, I'll go to sleep. And I do go to sleep, mm -hmm. but I don't stay asleep. Yeah. And I don't go back to sleep. So when you're up at 2.30 or 3 o'clock oh. in the morning and you don't go to sleep, how good are you really going to be the next day? I know. Yes. And it's hard because I also enjoy a cocktail or, you know, some champagne. The, just, you know. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Yeah. I do. I do. But I agree with you. Like, I sleep so much better. Yeah, and it really wasn't that hard. I thought, okay, this is going to be test. This is going to be a test, but it really wasn't. You know, it really wasn't that bad. You know, and I, that's awesome. I'd get a twinge and I'd go wash the dishes or I'd put a load of laundry in or go pick up my shoes off the floor or something. You know, do something. Yes, take the dog out for a walk. Poor BB, he's been walked. <laughs> he has been. He also walked. got dry January. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so all is good, but it's it's a wonderful time, and now we're in February, and I I'll gradually, maybe gradually, we'll, okay. we'll see, we'll we'll see how it goes. It's it's not been bad, but so. not on a night before your training. Yes. No, no, never. Now I can't, I can't, because again, they are they're a serious group of people over there. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm like, I can't, I can't come in slouching. So I gotta, I really gotta do this, and I, you know, I gotta get, you know, back in love it some kind of shape. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, now that we are in the month of February, um, not only is it the month of Valentine's Day, which I hate, but you'll know that later. <laughs> uh, but today we wanted to explore the link between heart health because it is a. Uh, you know, the heart month, February is heart yeah. month. And we wanted to just explore the link between um, heart health and mental health, specifically for kids with congenital um, heart defects. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we got somebody who can talk to us. We find we them, baby. Do, we, we find do. them. We do. <laughs> um, so Dr. Kevin Wilkes um, is here from Cook Children's, where he is a cardiologist and joined us just over a year ago at Cook. So welcome to Raising Joy. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. <laughs> and you said, what, a, a little bit of a year ago? Yeah, it was last August that I started. Wow. That's, that's awesome. You are really new. So tell us about how you ended up at Cook Children's. How was that journey? How yeah. did you get here? So I finished my training, you know, in July. So I, you know, newly graduated cardiologist. Mm. <laughs> uh, and you start to look around at all the different hospitals that have heart centers that, uh -huh. you know, you'd want to be at. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, I knew about Cook Children's, uh, but you don't know about it until you actually visit it. True. Yep. And you meet the people that are here and how everybody shares the same vision and passion mm -hmm. in taking care of kids mm -hmm. um, and their dedication to that. But everybody is so nice. Yeah. <laughs> like to wow. work with other people that, you know, yes, we all want to take care of kids, but, you know, we want to do it kindly to each other as well as mm -hmm. their caregivers, you yeah. know. And so it's a nice environment to, especially as someone who's new, get to, you know, practice and know that I have a lot of resources here and mm -hmm. everyone's really there to help me help mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because you are the next generation. You, <laughs> you're next on deck, so they want to make sure that you're doing well so they can walk out of here. Yes, and I did it well, so now he's got it. Kevin's got it. He can do it well, so that's really good. That's really good. Um, what, you know, what is the link between, I, I'm going to ask you this because I got another question after it, but uh, the link between congenital heart defects and mental health. Yeah. In children. Yeah. And we may have to explain what a congenital heart defect yeah, is. Yeah, let's start there. Let's start there. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah. So a congenital heart defect is a heart problem that a child is born with. And so roughly one out of every hundred kids are born with mm. a heart problem. That many. I didn't yeah. know that. That's a lot. I didn't know it was that It's high. the most common uh, birth defect out of all the birth defects that we as pediatricians take care of. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. So okay. that's why we have a whole month. We have February. Okay. February. <laughs> it's just month. Yeah. We're trying to bring awareness <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, and so this can be something, and again, I use these terms as a cardiologist, again, not as a, as a parent, but there's simple heart problems and then there's more complex heart problems. Okay. What I determine is simple doesn't mean that a parent determines it's simple. Right. right? It's, that's yeah. still a big deal for their yeah. child. Yeah, it is. So there's a lot of things like small holes in the heart, uh, VSDs, ASDs. A lot of them close on their own and may never require surgery. Mm -hmm. Some of them do require surgery. And then there's some heart conditions where maybe a child is only born with one pumping chamber. Mm -hmm. And we have to get a lot more creative about how we allow blood flow and support the rest of their body. And that would be a more complex heart condition. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, as a cardiologist, my job as a pediatric and fetal cardiologist is to diagnose these things in utero 
before the baby's mm. born. Okay. Walk the family through what their first few months, first few years, entire child's life may look like. Mm-hmm. Meet with the surgeons, the neonatologists, the whole heart center, uh, and come up with plans for you know the best way to either repair or palliate these kids' hearts. Mm. Um, and so it's you know it's something we're all very proud to do, and we've you know invested our lives in it, and um, we've focused forever on survival. You know, how can we yes. best, you know, prepare these kids and let them live as long as possible? Mm-hmm. But now we're starting to focus, since survival has gotten better, how can we allow them to live a more full life? How can they have a great quality of life? How can we, you know, get rid of things like anxiety and depression and developmental delays? And how can we recognize those so that we can treat them earlier? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It is awesome. But my question is this is, Okay, and you don't have to answer it. You may not know the answer. And if you say you, if you don't, you don't. We'll we'll figure it out. But um, when I'm thinking about um, congenital heart defects and mental illness, I also think that there are other things that kids go through: cancer, um, I don't know, seizures, things that they go through through their life that connect them to mental health? Or is there a difference between what congenital heart defects do to them mentally as opposed to something else? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And and I think the answer is kind of yes and no and, you know, a little gray zone. Okay, gotcha. You know, chronic medical conditions, cystic fibrosis, sickle cell disease, all have increased risk of anxiety and depression. Okay. And it's about fourfold. So we're looking at 25% of kids with these chronic medical conditions have some sort of anxiety, depression, PTSD, Mm -hmm. ADHD. Mm -hmm. Um, Congenital heart disease is a little different because it involves blood flow. And Mm -hmm. so it involves blood flow to the brain. Mm -hmm. And so for a long time, researchers have been looking at neurodevelopmental outcomes. So what does that mean for a child? Even before they're born, we know that the blood flow to their brain is altered than compared to a child who has a normally connected heart. Okay, gotcha. And so that can alter, even before the child is born, how blood and oxygen gets to their brain. Mm -hmm. A lot of our kids with some forms of more complex congenital heart disease, they might live with oxygen saturations lower than the average person. Okay. So where my oxygen saturations are 100%, -hmm. theirs may be 75 or 85%. -hmm. So we know that their brain over months to years isn't getting the same amount of oxygen that say the average child is. Gotcha. So there is the component of you're living with a chronic medical condition and what comes with that. But there's also the component of your brain is developing differently Mm -hmm. than say the average child. Gotcha. Gotcha. See there how smart he is? I know. (laughs) Aren't we lucky? Yes, we are. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, and I, I just think it's so cool that like you were saying, like we had been focused on prolonging life and now we're like, how do we make that life better? Like that's so cool. Like I'm very excited about that. And that is what motivates researchers, I'm assuming, uh, to try to look into this connection because now it's more than just if we can just keep them alive. Yeah. We now need to keep them alive and keep them well. Yeah. Because they're longer living too, I'm yeah. sure. I had a parent just yesterday tell me, you know, I I don't want to just focus on survival. I want to focus on life. Mm. And I think, you know, what drives us is these kids, these parents, these families. And, you know, 
of course survival is very important, mm-hmm. but that's only one small piece of, mm-hmm. of a child's life. Because mm-hmm. we've got medicine, we've got technology, we've got mm-hmm. surgeries, we've got all this advanced stuff yeah. that we couldn't do, I don't know, 15 years ago, I'm sure. Yeah. But now we've got, we really do need to pay more attention to how this child is living, living and not just if they are living. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a lot. Is there anything anything else you think that makes um, kiddos with congenital heart defects like particularly vulnerable to anxiety, depression, PTSD, like anything else you see that comes up? Unfortunately, yes. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, we're talking about surgeries very early on in life. So mm-hmm. that is, these are open heart surgery procedures where kids have to go on cardiopulmonary bypass. So we're having to, the surgeons are stopping their heart. They're putting them on life support while they're operating. So again, blood flow and oxygen to the brain is different than a child not having to do that. And mm-hmm. There's a lot of studies on early anesthesia and how that affects the early uh, brain. Yeah. Get out of here. I yeah. need that anesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. We all you what? cannot operate without it. <laughs> but, you know, how can we safely prolong surgery as long as possible before we, you know, need to intervene? Um, and then, you know, I'm biased as a cardiologist, but a lot of our heart conditions are, can be very life-threatening. And yes. those can be very abrupt, you know, certain arrhythmias that just happen. Mm. And a child really focuses on that and maybe hyperfixates on, mm-hmm. okay, I can't play sports because yep. my heart is not safe to play basketball mm. or I have a pacemaker or I have a defibrillator and it may go off at any time. And how that anxiety and fear of living with this chronic condition oh. that could take my life at any moment, mm-hmm. what that means. Mm-hmm. It's isolating. I mean, mm-hmm. even one in a hundred kids having congenital heart disease is a lot, but, but still. it's still, and every kid is different and every kid might feel alone that am I the only one suffering with this? When I go mm-hmm. to school, I don't see other kids with scars on their chest, or I don't see other kids having to take medications in the nurse's office. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, all of those things together can add up and We also, and I know your podcast has talked a lot about in the past parents and families, Mm -hmm. you know, having a child with a chronic medical condition, especially congenital heart disease, is traumatic for families. Early surgeries, you know, their their child is taken away from the delivery room. There's limited bonding. Mm -hmm. You know, that causes a lot of anxiety and depression and PTSD for parents. Yeah. And you've got a child with a heart the size of a small Tomato, cherry tomato. (laughs) I know. When you were describing the surgery, I was like, now those people are the really brave ones. Like, I cannot imagine. Yeah. Okay. Dr. Tam. Okay. We're very fortunate to have some very good surgeons. (laughs) They're brave. I I couldn't do it. I know. And standing for eight, twin, 12, 13 hours. I don't know what they do. And and it's just, it's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I see those things in my practice, though. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I... do you really? It's, I do. I the anxiety about um, is this going to happen at school, like for middle schoolers, and that's going to be embarrassing, or like what if I pass out, yeah. or like I see that, I see, and then I can't play sports or I can't be as physically active as everyone else in my class. Mm-hmm. Like they just feel left out, the yeah. isolation and like oh, the depression. Mm-hmm. I see so those two. Awful. I've seen them both. Yeah. Jeez. I'll put a small plug in okay. uh, for our camp moss. Okay. Uh, so it's a it's part of our Camp for Kids program. Yep. And it's a way that we try to 
break down those barriers of isolation. Mm-hmm. You know, so I love that. Yeah, every year for about a week, we bring about 120 kids with congenital heart disease. Mm-hmm. They get to zip line and do archery and things that they might not have gotten to do. <laughs> they cause them to pass out. <laughs> zip but, line. <laughs> but they, they're cardiologists yeah, that go. standing right yes. there. I get know? to go to camp. It's uh, amazing. Dr. Zura goes to oh, camp. Our, our nurses go to camp. And so they're protected. They're yes. taken well care of and they're monitored, yes. but they get to be kids. That's, so my the summer between my first and second year of medical school, I worked at a camp for kids with special needs. And they had like, so every week was something different, but it was down, I was in Houston. And so we had kids from TCH or, um, you know, at MD Anderson. So there'd be like, a, you know, MD Anderson would send kids and siblings with cancer. And so we would do that yeah. for a week, but it was the best summer of my entire life. Mm. I met my husband there oh. and my best friends. Oh. So, but it, like you said, like you get, just get to see kids be kids. Yeah. Like and it's, help them be kids. Yes. And, and they, it's like. You would hear them talk about it's like I'm no, I'm normal here. Yeah. Like I'm not the kid in the wheelchair. Everybody's yeah. in a wheelchair. Yeah. So it's like, what's the big deal? Yeah. They just get to be kids. Yeah. It's the coolest. I know one um year, I don't remember, I don't know if Sydney was here. I'm looking at Ken and Sydney, but <laughs> uh one year our uh social media uh people said, Show us your scars for February. Yeah. And we got so many pictures. You remember that, Kim? Uh, we got so many <laughs> k- pictures of kids who had their their scars yeah. on their chest, and they they sent us that's pictures cool. of their scars on their chest. I mean, it was a bunch of them. Yes, you know, cool. um, and I think that there was like even a a couple who had you know gone through something, and they were you now together as boyfriend girlfriend, and they both had Aww. scars. It was just it was adorable. But I mean, you know, you in that moment, you're like, dang, I didn't realize there were so many, and yeah. they're. You know, but proud of this scar. I'm, you know, I got it. Okay, but I'm still, I'm here. I'm kicking. Yeah, and kicking pretty <laughs> high too. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some some families call it the zipper club. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's so wonderful. Yeah. So I know you had you were part of, or there was a, a research study that was going on at TCH mm-hmm. while you were there. Yeah. Can TCH. You, tell me. TCH. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Texas Children's Hospital. <laughs> okay. I thank apologize. You. Thank I apologize. You. Thank you. Can you like tell us a little about it? Yeah. Like, yeah. So when I was doing my training, uh, you know, there was a Dr. Kayla Lopez and Vince Gonzalez published a paper with a lot of people down there that looked at, okay, all kids with congenital heart disease mm-hmm. um, compared to those without congenital heart disease that were diagnosed or treated with anxiety and depression. And that's where some of these numbers come from of like three to four times the risk in either simple or complex. And that's, you know, I go back to saying what I term as simple is not what the family determines as simple. You know, like having any type of heart surgery is traumatic. You know, that's nobody wants a child to have to go through that. And as a cardiologist, I'm, you often might not think that, okay, well, it's a, you know, it's an easy heart surgery. It's going to be a quick recovery. You'll be in the hospital for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not this, you know, month long surgery, you know, but for a family, that's still traumatic. That's still anxiety-provoking. And so those kids with both simple and complex have the same rates of anxiety and depression. Mm. Really? Yes. I would not have predicted that. Yeah. And I think that, again, is a, is a learning point for us as cardiologists to know, like— You have to treat them the same. You have to treat them the same. You have Don't to. Don't just screen— the complex kids that yeah. we may and you discard know. the other ones. exactly yeah any yeah. type of heart surgery it's is gonna, scary for a family it's gonna be scary yeah you know and it's interesting too you said earlier that you helped to diagnose that 
in utero. Mm -hmm. Does that help that they know before getting here or no? Well, there's studies on that too. <laughs> of course. Of course. We're looking at everything. We might yeah. not have all the answers well, yet. Well, that's true. Okay. But we're looking. And that's good. Yeah. And I think that is also kind of a gray area because, mm. you know, now it's one more thing to worry about for the rest of your pregnancy. So it's, yes. there's a lot to say of, well, what can we prepare a family for knowing that, you know, just having a baby that's just born and then two days later you find out this life-altering you know, surgery needs to happen Yeah. versus, okay, now you find out a month before is which one's better. And again, yeah. it all goes into how we prepare the families. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of work that we do of how do we best educate them? How do we condense down the information that they really need to know mm -hmm. and not scare them with mm -hmm. every possible outcome and let them just ruminate on that for the rest of their mm -hmm. pregnancy? But then they're going to Google. You got to protect them from the Google. Yes. <laughs> You're like, do right. not I go Google, Google. I do anything. It. I yes. Do it. I yeah. do it. it won't I'm help. So it will not help in this situation, though. Wow. Well, I'm so sorry. It'll make it so much worse. But, and not to go down a rabbit hole, but when you, <laughs> but I will because I, I love TikTok. <laughs> but going down a rabbit hole a little bit, when you talk about preparing families for, you know, what could happen, mm -hmm. for you as a cardiologist, you got to learn how to talk to people. Yeah. There's got to be a real serious understanding about communication mm -hmm. that you're doing that doctor who started way back when did not have. Yeah. Are you trained specifically on a way to discuss these kind of, you know, diagnoses with families? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's part of my additional training in fetal cardiology goes into not only the diagnosis, but again, what we tell families, how we tell them, what resources we give them when they go home. Because the last thing I want, and mm -hmm. it still happens, is a family to Google something. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel the more information I can give, give them, them, the less they want to the do less that. They <laughs> and so our fetal team, we've really kind of looked at the data that we want families to have. Mm -hmm. We have folders and information packets. We have our contact information so that when they go home, if they have a question, mm. they reach out to us and not the internet. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> not the TikTok doctor. Not the okay. TikTok doctor. Yeah, that's Who's TikTok a doctor. I love <laughs> I, I see him all the time. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys, so how, like, do you guys screen? Do we screen at Cook for, like, depression and anxiety? Like, how important do you guys think that is? Are you seeing depression and anxiety um, and your kids that you follow in clinic yeah. or what do you guys see? Yeah. So we screen all kids. So again, going back to that, let's not, you know, distinguish between simple versus complex. We'll screen all kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so using AAP approved screening tools mm -hmm. in our clinic, mm -hmm. we look, um, but that of course is going to miss kids. You know, mm -hmm. I think the, the screening, I mean, you know better than I do that the screening tools are helpful, but it's yes. only again, one piece of yep. what we really need to do. So yeah. We have a, a really good clinical therapist, um, Tom Makalik, uh, mm -hmm. tall Tom. Tall Tom, that's right. Wait, if you ever see, if you see a very tall man, yeah. that's it him. is tall Tom. Okay. You'll know. That's You're going to see okay. him and you'll be like, that's okay. tall Tom. That's Tom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he helps work with us and, you know, identify kids and and treat kids and, and talk with families and kids. Um, and then I think there's also that kind of physician, patient, family relationship that, you know, I really look to the parents to tell me mm -hmm. what their concerns are. Not just are we taking our medicines, are we mm -hmm. playing the approved sports, mm -hmm. but, you know, how are we doing? Are we hyperfixated on our own health? Are we 
not doing, like if I say you can compete in all sports, is your child holding himself or herself back mm -hmm. because they're worried about something, even though I said it's safe and okay? And how can we bridge that gap and how can we make your child feel more comfortable and less anxious? Yep. How often do you, though, find yourself having to help the parents? Because it may be that the child is like, okay, let's go. Yeah. And now you've got parents with anxiety. No. Or the, the parent, the, the kid has absorbed the parent's anxiety. Yes, yes. exactly. Like because they, they're yeah. just, so how do you handle, <laughs> how do you handle? <laughs> I mean, it's just more education. Yeah. You know, the yeah. more parents know mm -hmm. from a trusted source, like their doctor, their clinical team, then the less I feel, even though they still do, yeah. they're yeah. going to reach for outside sources to fill those gaps in their knowledge. And mm -hmm. so if I can prepare a family in, in my prenatal visit or in the clinic visit and really let them, you know, answer all their questions or, you know, let them know where to come if they have more questions, uh, then I feel like that takes some of the anxiety away, but it doesn't take it all away. No. And so then it comes to knowing your child and watching them in the clinic. Like, you know, we have sternal precautions. So for, you know, a period of time after an open heart surgery procedure, we have to be really careful as the sternum is rehealing. Mm. And parents are very anxious about kids crawling around and trying to pick up things. And we tell them, like, kids will limit themselves. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I would just want to bubble wrap my baby. I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like okay, the now whole you thing. can go. Yeah, just bubble wrap. The bubble and, yeah. And go. Oh, yeah. my gosh. They will know. They'll know. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, when my son, when he was younger, he wouldn't eat. And the doctor would say, well, he'll eat when he gets hungry. <laughs> and you're like, what? No, no, he has to eat. <laughs> he'll, he'll eat when he's hungry. Well, how can parents and providers, uh, healthcare providers, distinguish between the normal fears and worries related to serious heart conditions and symptoms that require treatment and intervention? Yeah. And I think that, again, goes back to more hyperfixation. Again, your child is limiting him or herself more than what I would want them to limit themselves as. Okay. Or child, you know, children start to really focus on other people's health. You know, I've had parents mm -hmm. tell me that, you know, my son really asks me, am I going to be okay? Okay. And I don't have a medical problem, but I they, know. you know, they start to become aware that, mm -hmm. you know, they have a problem. There is something such as mortality and they worry about other people's mortality. And so I think those are some red flags. You know, I think it's okay to be worried that you have a medical problem and, you know, you have to take medicines for it and we as your heart team need to keep you safe. But that's our job to do the worrying with the family, not the child. Yeah. yeah. Is it keeping them up? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, are they? Yeah, are they limited? Is it, And that's kind of, that's how we decide treating any sort of like anxiety. Like, does it limit their function? Yeah. Like, you know, I would really like to know how different kids come out of those camps. Oh. It would be a it would be a nice thing to measure. They came in as this, they leave out and yeah. now provide, you know, now they're acting like this. It would be really good to measure to see how they I'm like, quality. that's a great study. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I would I'm like it because it would say, mean I could go to back camp. to camp. You know? <laughs> but now that you've shown and now that they've seen and now that they've experienced yes. ziplining and I didn't die mm -hmm. and everything is fine, now I can 
kind of live my life yeah. afterwards a little bit. And they did it in an, in an environment that was safe and guarded. And, and now I feel kind of pretty good about this. I'd love to see that. I love that. Yeah. Better too. Let's do it. Okay. I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to text the, Dr. Zurich right now. Get the IRB going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. How, um, how can parents support their kiddos' total well-being if yeah. they have a congenital heart defect or um, anything like that? Well, I think the first step is taking care of themselves. You know, parents need to be healthy. Parents need to seek care for anxiety, PTSD, depression. I mean, I think most families probably need a support group for this. And there are support groups for congenital heart disease of other families. You know, how have you mastered this? You know, I'm trying to, you know, do this. What have you done? Um, parents going to therapy is super important because, you know, multiple hospitalizations, time away from other kids and their parents. I mean, I think you have to take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be able to take care of your child. It's like the airlines say, put the mask on yourself. Yeah, it's first. true. Yeah. Then you can help somebody. Yeah. Else. It's really true. Yeah. yeah. It kind of is. Yeah. And then you bring it up to us, you know, as your cardiologist, your pediatrician. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm feeling okay, but I'm, I'm really seeing a lot of the, the things that I struggled with, with anxiety and depression in my child. And mm -hmm. I, you know, bringing that up to us, seeking out those resources, really talking to them about, you know, I think a, Again, it's all about education. Mm. The sooner uh, a child can age-appropriately learn about sure. their health, sure. then they can understand, okay, what do I need to be on the lookout for? I'm going to be okay because my medical team is taking good care of me and have me on the right medicines and has me on the right surgical plan. Mm -hmm. um, and not hiding these discussions, really openly talking about them, but again, in an age-appropriate manner. Some of these things will cause them to go on for a long I mean they'll be taking medicines and doing things for a long time. And now they got to age out, right? Not necessarily. No? So we have an adult congenital heart disease That's program. That's right. Now look at, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's yeah. the, do you know the oldest patient you guys take care of in that clinic? Uh, we, I think I'm going to say in the 60s, but it wow. could be older. Yeah. 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 I Holy think cow. I remember somebody we had, and it was a long time ago. And I don't know, Kim, I'm looking at you. At one point, she was like, it was a woman, and she was 56 years old. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. But you guys have special training in these disorders where adult cardiologists yeah. don't see that. So we, it makes yes. sense that you would follow yeah. them. And then we have, I mean, Dr. Pilgrim and Dr. Bernardo's have like done extra training specifically for adults with congenital heart disease. And, you know, we're lucky to have them, and they focus on things that, you know, like you said, adult cardiologist and even like myself, a pediatric cardiologist. Okay, someone now wants to become pregnant. Oh, well, what gosh. Are, what do we do with their medications? Wow. Or, you know, oh. you, do you... Just gave her anxiety. You just gave her anxiety. I'm a psychiatrist. <laughs> I, I couldn't do the cardiology. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But the, yeah, those are... That's, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. We're so happy that you're here with us, Dr. Wilson. Oh, thank you. I mean... See how smooth I know. he is? He's pretty I smooth. <laughs> I know. Well, and broke down very complex topics. Yeah. Um, this is made him very yeah. you know, relatable. Um, I was talking. So we have a, a child psychiatry fellow with us, um, Yasmin Carter. And uh, I was talking today. I was like, gosh, I was like, I have a little bit of PTSD about like learning the development of the heart. And I don't, I still don't know that I quite understand all the twisting and all of that. I think it's just like mm -hmm. I just blocked it out. And, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. anyway. 
He, know, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> and he likes and, it. And then some. Yeah, yeah. and he likes it. You can yeah. tell he does. <laughs> he really enjoys that, but that's great. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Wilkes, for joining us. Well, thank we really you for having me. That's oh, really I appreciate it. So uh, as we end, we end always asking, what are you grateful for? Oh. So we want to ask you, what are you grateful for? Well, I'm, I'm grateful for my family. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have a wonderfully supportive wife and family that allows me to do what I love. Yeah. I get to take care of these kids because of the support they've given me throughout my life and now. And I, you know, everybody needs a support system and sure. I have a great one. Oh, okay. Do that's you have awesome. kids? Not yet. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, that's exciting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like the yet. That's uh, cool. Cherish this time. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do it enough. Oh. Yep. Okay. What are you grateful for? Um, I'm grateful for camp, oh, like camp experiences. That yeah. was fun. Oh my gosh. It was, yeah, like literally it was the best. It changed my life. It mm. really did. And then, Aww. and also like it, I know it changed um, the kids' lives too. And so I'm, and I have patients that do our camp at Camp John Mark for different mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. diabetes. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I just, a kiddo could be, I had a kid that was really struggling with depression and like not feeling like they connected and, and that sort of thing went to camp and she was like, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. I can do this. I can do yeah. this. And totally turned a corner. See? Mm-hmm. We need to have a study. I, I love it. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very pro camp over here. Yeah. 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 Very good. <laughs> what about you, Winnie? I am grateful for dry January. Hey! <laughs> and, and what and how lucid I am and, <laughs> and how strong I feel when I'm in the gym and, and how, oh, I'm so grateful for sleep. Yeah. It's, it's I'm amazing. so grateful for sleep, even even waking up in the middle of the night and then going back and can go back to sleep. Without your mind thinking about all the things. Oh, my gosh. And and even now in, in this environment, I have to set the alarm. Normally, I wouldn't even set an alarm because I'm, I'm usually up at 4 o'clock and I can't go back. But now I, I got to set an alarm. That's awesome. It's amazing. I'm it's super saying. good. It, sleep is like amazing for you. It brain. is. It's like you wake up and I'm like, uh-oh. Somebody's going to get it today because I, I, <laughs> I'm on top of my game. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Crazy Raising Joy. I know, crazy. I we'll have to change it. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and a review. And Only we, if you like us. Yeah, because we probably won't <laughs> read it anyway. And until next time, just breathe. Open up. You, you matter. matter.